The draft lottery is done, and the Pacers will officially pick seventh in the 2023 NBA draft, as well as 32nd. Lots of stuff happened at the draft lottery. I was here. I'll break it all down. And what was said from Tyrese Halliburton and Kevin Pritchard, all on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today it is the day that people had been waiting for. The lottery, it happened. It was in Chicago. I was there, and I'll break it all down the headline. The Pacers will pick seventh in the 2023 NBA Draft, their second highest pick since 1989, their first highest, of course, being the sixth pick last year, and the Pacers see good lottery results elsewhere as the Spurs finish ahead of the Rockets. So we have a lot to get to today from Lotto Land. I'm in Chicago. I'm actually in the convention center where this all just happened still, so if you hear echoey noises, it's because I'm in the biggest room I've ever recorded a podcast in in my life. And if you hear background noises, it's because they're breaking stuff down because the lottery happened like an hour ago in this very building. So what happened? Well, the headliner, of course, for the Pacers is they pick seventh in the draft. It's such a production the way this all goes down with the drama and the cards and the people coming on stage. But rapid fire through the top first eight picks that they did in reverse order, 14, 15, excuse me, 14, 13, 12, 11, all the way up through six, chalk, no changes. The only team that jumped into the top four at all was the Blazers, who jumped from fifth to third, and the top three of the four teams remained the same, so the Pacers didn't drop, which is good. I mean, it's hard to think of it that way, right? Like I said yesterday, their median outcome, their 50th percentile outcome was above the seventh pick. So seven is like technically better than that, but it's also worse than their average. If you did like a million trillion of these, it's like fine. They didn't drop. That's what Tyrese Halliburton said when I asked him after, how did it kind of feel? He just said, well, you know, we didn't drop. That is, of course, not the takeaway you want, right? You want to be in the top four, but it is a good takeaway in that you're in the seventh slot. You remain seven with such a volatile event, dropping obviously more painful than not, as the Pacers were last year falling from five to six, landing at seven. Not the end of the world necessarily for the Pacers, who now have this pick. And it's just jaw-dropping to see this event take place again. It's such a production. They had Wembenyama ready to go on the broadcast, right? Clearly the number one pick. The Spurs rep on the stage, one of their business uh, execs just going absolutely nuts when the Spurs won the number one pick. I just have so many things to riff about in my notes about this pick and the rest of the Pacers lottery. And I I will start with the Spurs connection at the first overall pick. So I tried to explain this yesterday when explaining how the lottery works. But there's 14 ping pong balls in this machine, and it's not just they pull out one number and that pick slot is done. They pull out four numbers in a row, and that four-number combination belongs to one of the 14 teams, and the team that has that four-number combo gets the picks in order. So they did the first pick first. And the first three numbers that came out were a Pacers, one of the Pacers combos, a couple of them actually, were involved. Kevin Pritchard was explaining this to us uh, after the lottery downstairs in this other room. This is a giant building and it was (laughs) very fun to weave through it and find everybody. But after three numbers, the Pacers were in play for number one. Had the fourth drawn number 
matched a Pacers combo. They would have gotten it. So they really got to a – this isn't actually accurate because I don't know the th- the, what the th- fourth number was, but you know, three were already drawn. Like oh, basically a 1-11 chance at the number one pick at that point, which is better than their 6.8% normally. Like that's pretty awesome. So they were right there, but the pick went to the Spurs. It's really funny. You could watch the lottery drawing – on YouTube, and Kevin Pritchard's wearing glasses, and he's looking through the. They give the, all everybody in there this booklet with all the lottery combos and what it means. And he's wearing glasses. You can see him kind of flipping through to see where the combos are. And once they announce it's the Spurs, he takes his glasses off because the Pacers didn't get the number one pick. I haven't watched far enough to know if he ever put them back on or what his emotions were like. You know, I tried to ask him about it, and I meant after the full lottery, but I asked him if he felt relief. And I think he thought I meant after the first pick, which is not what I intended. But, you know, you just kind of – you just know the odds, right? It's Of course, everybody feels some sort of – hope or desire during the lottery process. But, you know, when you see that happen, it just has to be absolutely so painful, especially in a draft of this magnitude, right? Execs aren't allowed to say specific players, but everybody knows how good Victor Wembanyama could be in this draft. I mean, there's a reason that Brian Windhorst of ESPN was in France with Wembanyama at 2.30 in the morning in France to talk to him because the Spurs getting him is massive. And I think that's another big takeaway before we kind of keep going on the seventh pick for the Pacers is that the number one pick did go West, right? That is huge for the Pacers when Benyama only twice a year, they'll have to face him. That's huge for them. Also significant that it's not in the East or in their division, which was possible with the Detroit Pistons. So that is of course significant. We'll talk about all the other kind of ripple effects later, but the prize of the draft, Victor Wembanyama, of course, not coming to the Pacers because he's going to the Spurs because the Pacers were one number away. It was also really funny to watch Tyrese Halbert, normally a very bubbly and outgoing kind of guy up on the stage, right? They, they keep pulling these cards with the team logos out uh, of these envelopes and announcing who picks in one slot. If you watched it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and Halliburton, normally, again, a very smiley guy, if you've watched him play or watched him interact with people, totally stoic the whole time. They announced the Pacers at 7. He didn't change reaction. He didn't do anything. I asked him about it. He said he didn't know where the camera was he was supposed to look at. So he just kind of stared off into the distance and kept his composure at 7. Again, not moving down, I think, makes it less painful to not move up, right? If they went to 8th and got jumped by someone else who went to the top four, that would, of course, feel extremely painful, especially if that team was the Wizards, who they ended up splitting the odds with after that coin flip. But no one behind them moved up, which I suppose will give them some solace that the odds just weren't in their favor. Of course, no fan is going to feel that way. But it was very funny to watch Halliburton remain just so in the moment, which is not really something you you expect from him, uh, just given his personality. But a fun guy to watch. Go up there, I got a good picture of him smiling before uh, going on stage just before the lottery. So in talking to Pritchard, I thought there were some noteworthy things, uh, but this was the biggest one. You can read more of these in my stories as they come out over the next couple of days. But he was describing the tears, right? The Pacers fall are one of the teams that tear off the draft. I think that's smart because making trades within tiers can be a way to get value or moving into a tier is a good way to describe why you'd give up assets, like moving up from 31 to 22 to get Isaiah Jackson, for example, to them was moving up a tier, right? So he said, here he kind of described the top as three tiers. The first tier being, look, I'm not speaking for him. He did not say any players' names, as I explained earlier. Executives here won't do that. But he said there is a top tier uh, and then a little bit of a second tier. I think you can all figure out that the top tier is Victor Wembanyama. Then he said there's kind of a second tier and then a little bit bigger of a third tier. Pacers in that third tier. So the important thing to know, one, is that that was how it was described. But two, 
without knowing, it'll, I'll be curious if we ever find out or if it ever becomes clear through the draft process where the Pacers and Pritchard kind of view that tier, right? Is it four through nine? Is it six through 11? You know, that will kind of be informative of what they might try to do if they really like someone who is projected to go four or five. Do they make that splash because it's more tenable? If they think they can move back and stay within their tier, are they willing to do that? I don't know, but it is important to note that as he kind of discussed those tiers, uh, he made it clear that it was it's kind of a third tier that the Pacers are in. So I think some other stuff happened that I want to talk about. I want to talk about the guys that could be available in this range for the Pacers or trade options that maybe materialize. We'll get to a lot of other stuff to close out today's show. But the crux of it all, the seventh pick for the Pacers, the first time the seventh pick hasn't jumped in like six years of the lottery. How very Pacers of this to go down since they have not jumped up in now 25, no, 35 years of the NBA draft. Just absolutely jarring to think about the luck against their favor. Before we continue talking about other various lottery things, the players in the Pacers' potential range and tier, um, other trade stuff, the 32nd pick coming their way, what that could mean, all sorts of stuff. Let's first talk about Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs makes clothing that fits everything you could want. Fit, comfort, and versatility into the perfect clothing fit. For example, I have bird dogs clothing and I look better and feel great when I'm wearing it. It's very comfortable. They have very stretchy fabric. It makes my legs look great. I have the seven inch shorts and they're awesome. They're way comfier than my other shorts and pants. That's why I wear them so much. And they're really versatile, right? I can wear them uh, when I'm golfing, I sometimes wear them to the gym. I wear them to podcast quite often, which you can't tell because you can't see my legs. Um, I work from home, but uh, meetings, I have them on. Uh, my girlfriend, I wear them on dates sometimes. You can wear them literally to anything, and they look good, and they're comfortable, and they fit well. What more could you ask for in a pair of pants or shorts? You know, Try them out for any scenario of your life. So try them yourself. Go to birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA. When you enter the promo code LockdownNBA, they'll throw in free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. So if you want clothing that fits well, is comfortable, and is very versatile in your life, you've got to check out Bird Dogs. Again, birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA. Enter the, pro, enter the promo code LockdownNBA. Back here at the lottery. Thanks for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day. The very easy second listen is Locked On Spurs with Jeff Garcia, who tweeted earlier that Spurs general manager Brian Wright said, well, we'll we'll assess all of our options with the first pick and wouldn't name any players, which I just think is absolutely hysterical. I mean, Brian Windhorst, again, was literally with Victor Wembanyama asking him about the Spurs and what it would mean to be with that franchise. Everybody knows who's going number one this year. He is considered Perhaps the best prospect since LeBron. If you watched the ESPN broadcast, you heard Adrian Wojnarowski talking about how impressive uh, he believes Victor Wembanyama could be one day. Locked on Spurs will have everything you want to know about the Spurs winning this lottery. And by the way, crazy circumstance. But the Pacers, who are hoping to see the Rockets lose some of their last two games so they could clinch the 30-second pick, the Rockets win their last two games, win a coin flip with the Spurs, and then watch the Spurs jump up to one while the Rockets fall to four. That has to sting. So maybe locked on Rockets could also be a second listen here. Jackson Gallon on Houston's path forward. So 
seven. Interesting spot in this draft. I've heard some people say there's a top three, a top four. I've never gotten anyone to say five. So it feels like the Pacers are a little bit away from that kind of top-ish part uh, of this draft. But they're still in a good spot, at least if you ascribe to the tier theory, like I said. And if you've listened to me on this show for a while, in my head, I had a top eight that I thought were solidly the first three tiers. Now I would extend that to nine. And I have a guy I really love uh, that I might put at the top of tier three. And I have a guy in tier two that I think most people don't have in tier two. It doesn't matter what I think, but that is all to say this is a good draft, right? Because there's so much talent at the top, even like your four through nine is typically a whatever, two through seven or something like that. And Pritchard did talk about, you know, the merits of best player available versus fit when we were talking to him. Scott Agnes and I were about to ask the exact same question to close out our media availability with him. And Pritchard said, you know, it's kind of context dependent, right? He didn't say those exact words, but he said, you know, in the past I've done best player available, or at least I thought, and the pick hasn't worked. And then sometimes I've done drafting for fit and that hasn't worked right it, it, it's just not as an exact science and that's 100 percent true that's not to say the Pacers should or shouldn't do any specific thing but it is worth noting that you know there is not a foolproof strategy and they'll have to consider both options but he did say defense will be important and that was known right the Pacers have talked about their need for defense at every, every point since the season ended right and they need to be better on that end, right? Last after the All-Star break, 26th this season. If they're going to be a team that gets out and runs or is at least faster paced on offense, they have to defend well enough to, one, have the energy to do that, but two, actually get the stops to run and transition. Defense is critical for the Pacers in any of their offseason approach, whether that's the draft, whether that's free agency, whatever. And so prospects that have defensive skills, I think, will break ties over maybe general talent for some of these other prospects. I think that's obviously important to know as this kind of progresses forward. But who's kind of mocked in this range? Well, Tankathon, I believe the way Tankathon does their mock draft is uh, it's kind of aggregated from a bunch of other ones to see kind of who's in what spot, right? They have one Binyama one, Brandon Miller two, Scoot Henderson three, Eamon Thompson four. I think most consider that to be tiers one and two. Some people would have Eamon Thompson in the, in group three. I've heard some people who have him third in this draft. I've said this on the show before, but either way, that that is kind of a, a, the lottery tier, if you will, the top four. After that, there's kind of a big swath of guys that you hear, right? Jarris Walker from Houston, uh, Kalen Cooper just wrote a great piece on basketball. She wrote about Jarris Walker and what he could do, right? Kind of beast on the glass, good defensive, tough guy at Houston. Uh, Eamon Thompson's twin brother, Asar Thompson, also from Overtime Elite. And it's just so hard to assess the Thompson brothers uh, because of the level of competition they had. But I'm mentally talented, right? And, it, you know, it's not fair to just pin the Overtime Elite on them. They were great high school players, too, in the same way that a lot of these other top prospects were. Asar, of course, also a very talented player, just like his brother. Uh, Cam Whitmore from Villanova, really good scoring type, uh, can kind of get a shot up from anywhere. Uh, six foot seven, too, that's of course appealing. And Anthony Black from Arkansas, commonly in this range as well. Decent creation, decent defense, good player. And a lot of Pacers fans' favorite prospect mocked currently at ninth on Tankathon is Taylor Hendricks, right? Really good defensive wing, humongous size, right? That was something that stood out about his. Um, his combine measurements that came out for Monday, he's big, right? And they could really use that size and that type of player. And then some mocks have Grady Dick higher than this. Tankathon's currently got him at 10th, maybe the best shooter in this draft. Uh, I wouldn't say he's just entirely a one-way player, but he's pretty close. If you need shooting, though, he is, of course, a good pick. That is kind of the range, I think, of guys that the Pacers will be commonly linked to or talked about, right? If any of them come into town, 
to, to to work out for the Pacers or if any of them meet with them uh, at the Combine this week, right? I'll be there the next two days. I can tell, I'll, I'll at least ask any top prospect I can if they've met with the Pacers. Those are the names to keep an eye on to me because they're in this range and it's kind of a big tier. Now, here's the thing. Hassar Thompson, not known for his defense. Cam Whitmore, kind of, but not really, right? That is where Anthony Black, to a lesser extent, but more so Jarris Walker and Taylor Hendricks really stand out in this group from a Pacers perspective. They have some sort of projection to be a good defender at their position and have size, which the Pacers desperately need, right? Pritchard at his end-of-season presser was talking about their need for fours. Well, he didn't say fours, right? He kind of described how the Pacers view positions a little differently, like hybrids and wings and, you know, tweener four fives. But they need any of those. Whatever phrase you put on it, whatever you call it, anyone who's six foot seven to that six foot ten range and can kind of play on the perimeter but still do some stuff inside. That sounds like a long checklist. There's not a lot, but there's some of those guys in the NBA. Every single team wants them, right? Every single one. It's not that the Pacers haven't tried to get them. It's that they're hard to get, especially quality ones for a long time. If there are guys at that size or in that range who are available, the Pacers will certainly consider it both for fit and for talent, right? I think that is something unique to this draft after hearing Kevin Pritchard talk about, you know, the best player available approach versus the best fit approach is that when you kind of really dive into this tier that they're in, there's a chance they could end up satisfying both just because of how this top nine, 10, whatever kind of sorts out. Cause when you get to, you know, I really like Carson Wallace at Kentucky, but when you get to this, you know, 11 through 20 range, there's some good players, but there's a lot fewer wings, right? Len- Leonard Miller is a beast. I really like him, but in general, a lot of the guys kind of run you hit 10. Uh, well, I guess once Grady Dick's off the board are either guard types or just not big enough to kind of fit the bill of what I just talked about the Pacers needing until you get much, much deeper into the first round of mocks. Now, granted, there's a couple guys like in the 20s that I actually think are really good and should go in the lottery, but the common consensus right now is this this grouping that the Pacers are in from at seven, you know, this tier from whatever you want to call it, four to nine, four to ten, five to ten, whatever, features a lot of guys that could actually satisfy both of their needs for both best player available and great fit. And that is, of course, very noteworthy for this. Now, the lottery is what it is. A lot of other teams move that could open up some trade options for the Pacers. The Pacers also got pick 32 from this draft. I want to talk about that still. I want to talk about the Pacers division outcomes, the West doing well. There's still so much to break down from this lottery. Let's close out with a many stray thought that are important to the Pacers. Welcome back into Locked On Pacers. Thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, Locked On Blazers, Mike Richmond is going to be buzzing about the Portland Trailblazers lottery night moving in to the top four. The only team that wasn't in the top four that finished inside the top four, jumping up from five to three, the Rockets. Hornets and Spurs, who had the three the other three worst records, finish also in the top four. And the Pistons do not get their number drawn. They fall to five. That is brutal for the team that had the worst record, but they got Cade. I mean, five two years in a row really sucks for Detroit, but they got the number one pick two years ago. They'll be just fine. Either way, really fascinating outcome. And the number one thing I would like to say, to say from this outcome range. I talked about this a little bit when I said on the lottery preview show, hey, it's good for the Pacers if West teams jump up. Well, of the teams that actually did jump up, which is uh, San Antonio, Charlotte, and Portland, two of them are out West, right? 
that's good for the Pacers. The Rockets technically got drawn, but they had the second worst record, so they fell, air quotes, to four. They got drawn, so that's not really fair to say. That's still a good outcome for them, given how the odds work in these events. But they... You know, that's still a West team. So four of the top five, excuse me, three of the top five out West, but the teams that actually jumped up three of them in the West, that is significant for the Pacers in terms of external outcomes, right? So now Wembenyama presumably going to be in the Western Conference. One of Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller going to be in the Western Conference, or perhaps Eamon Thompson goes, you know, three, and then uh, maybe all three of Miller, Henderson, and Wembenyama end up in the West. Depends how all this shakes out. It's way too early to talk about that, but in general, the West moving up to this extent is good news for the Pacers. Some of these studs will not be in their conference or at least in their path in the playoffs in the immediate future. Now, another ripple effect of this, uh, and this is noteworthy every year as well, is the Pacers division itself, right? How do those teams stack up? One of the worst things that's happened to the Pacers in terms of their own schedule for the next couple of years is the Cavs moving up in the Garland year, getting Evan Mobley, right? They are loaded. They look really good. The Bucks, of course, have Giannis. They got him late, but, um, Lottery luck helping the Cavs has hurt the Pacers. They play the Cavs four times a year, right? So the Pistons not getting drawn, falling from one to four. Brutal for that franchise after having the worst record in the league. They're changing coaches. Their GM is still kind of figuring out a plan. But that's great for the Pacers, right? Another team in their division and sort of similar timeline to the Pacers, this Pistons team. It is significant that they moved down and will get less of a star power around Cade and Jaden Ivey. That's big for the Pacers in terms of potentially accelerating past them in any sort of build, rebuild, whatever phrasing you would like to use. And the Bulls, who were at 11th, the other central division team for the Pacers to monitor, did not move up, meaning their pick will go to the Orlando Magic. That is, of course, also Uh, significant for the Pacers that the Bulls will not immediately get better, although having that obligation gone might be good for the Bulls going forward just to have it done. Also, if you would like a very good laugh, plugging a podcast uh, not in the Lockdown Network, CHGO's Bulls show. They were doing a live reaction to the lottery, and it's funny because uh, the Bulls, they only got their pick if it was in the top four. And so the Bulls were 11th. They did not jump up. But because of that, the NBA held up the Magic's logo to say that, hey, the Magic are going to be picking 11th. They're getting the Bulls pick. The CHGO guys thought they were saying the Magic fell down to 11, and that meant the Bulls jumped into the top four. So they were going nuts for about two minutes before realizing what happened. It is laugh out loud funny, a rare a rare hearty laugh from me in public. It was great. You have to check that out. But either way, the Bulls did not move up. The Pistons did not move up. In fact, they moved way down. That is good news for the Pacers. So those external results are good. But the biggest non-Pacers result, obviously, was the Spurs and the Rockets. The Pacers desperately wanted to see the Spurs finish ahead of the Rockets because that would mean the inverse happens in the second round where the Rockets would pick before the Spurs. If you remember, I've explained this a few times. The Pacers have the Rockets' second-round pick, but it's protected, and it's backwards protected from what you usually expect. It was protected 33 through 60, meaning the Pacers only got it if the Rockets' pick in the second round was 31 or 32. They finished tied for the second-worst record with the Spurs, meaning that that pick was either going to be 32 or 33. If the Rockets got the better first-round pick, they'd get the worst second-round pick and vice versa. Both of those teams being in the top four meant there was a lot to be decided about where that pick would end up. Well, the Spurs won the lottery, quite literally. They get one Banyama. That also means they finished ahead of the Rockets in the first round, which means the Rockets get the better pick in the second round. That's pick 32, which means that now goes to the Pacers. Had that gone the other way, the Pacers would have gotten pick 50 
instead of 32. 18 picks, huge equity difference. In fact, if you're bummed as a Pacers fan about them not moving up at all from seven, this is a big second win to move up that much. It's a second rounder, but 32 can be valuable. I've talked about this a lot, but 31, one pick ahead, right? Two years ago, Pacers traded it to move up to get Isaiah Jackson, moving up tiers, right? Something I just talked about earlier in the show. Last year, obviously, they picked Andrew Nambard at that slot. Like, that's good. That's a good pick of value, I think, and I think most people think that way. It is massively significant that the Pacers actually got it, and it's significant to me for another reason, too. First of all, Kevin Pritchard talked about some of the new second-round exception rules in the CBA and how that could help them if they actually make that pick. But in general, they have 26 and 29 as well. They have three picks now in this swath of like seven. That's too many for what they are. But if you get 32, you can be more confident that someone you like might be there and be more willing to trade away 26 or 29. And I think that is significant for the Pacers that 26 and 29 now can be moved more easily. They can think happier thoughts about doing that and maybe not giving up somebody that they love or having to trade up for somebody that they love because they have another pick coming up right away. Or they could even trade all three of those and see how high they could get in the draft doing that. Or there's a million packages that they could do. But obviously having 32 is preferable to having 50. At the the headline of the article would be that, and that's great. The Pacers will be happy to see that. But also because it's in this kind of range with two of their other picks, I think that's significant for their options what they'll be able to do, right? Kevin Pritchard actually uh, did bring this up when we were talking to him. I'll try to to dig up the quote while we're talking. He said, now that we have it, we really like that pick. It just gives us bigger degrees of variability, he said, right? So that is, of course, significant. Moving up is better than moving down. And that lottery result means the Pacers will be moving up to 32. So the Pacers' full draft picks, I'll do a show on this potentially in the future. They have seven, 26, 29, 32, and 55 That is the Pacers' five draft picks in 2023. Of course, Pritchard said uh, right after the season, he doesn't want to bring five kids into the organization. He reiterated that thought today. They're probably not going to make five picks. And by that, I mean they are certainly not going to make five picks. They don't have enough roster spots to do that. But there are tools at their disposal to make these valuable. And having 32 is significant. Now, I've already been messaging and DMing with people about various uh, things that happened that are also significant to the Pacers. But trade avenues opening up. I think is an important factor in this as well. And that is where I will start with Detroit. Uh, Scott McNeilis messaged me about this, but you know, I talked to Scott about all sorts of cap dorkery and trade stuff. The Pistons at five is fascinating to me because they're kind of outside of that top tier of teams and prospect range. And they might want more young talent, right? They're not ready to ascend just yet. Would they be willing to go from five to seven if the Pacers also threw in the required amount of assets to make that happen. They're an interesting team in that mix just because of that, right? They they have Cade and Ivy and Duran looks like he's going to be pretty good, but they have a lot of question marks, right? Does adding more young talent mean anything to them or does adding assets mean anything to them? Maybe not. Maybe they want to be good next year. In fact, I think that's kind of been thought of as Detroit's plan. I think some people thought they'd be good last year, myself included. That did not become the case, but they're an interesting team there. I think the Blazers moving up is really interesting as well. Of course, if you can get Brandon Miller, if you can get Scoot Henderson, maybe you just do that. Maybe you do. But if you also already have Shaden Sharp and you have Damian Lillard trying to win a title, perhaps if you're the Pacers, you could look at three where Portland ended up and go, hmm, can we get from seven to three? Is there any vet on our team, perhaps more than one, that the Blazers really like that would on top of a pick difference, help the Pacers swap from seven to three. If you listen to a podcast I did 
uh, last week talking about trading draft picks. Teams typically with top 10 picks don't trade out of the draft completely. They typically trade their first to a different team and get a different first back in the first round, sometimes in a wildly different spot. That even involves star trades. For example, the Jimmy Butler trade, the 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 Bulls got seven for him, but they gave away 16 with him, right? It's very rare that teams trade fully out of the first round. And so is there something that can be done with three and seven? I don't know, but that does make some sense to me, given that the Blazers, if they still have Damian Lillard, would like to be good. And so those two teams are the teams that moved the most significantly, I think, between Portland and Detroit. Perhaps the Pacers could talk to them about some sort of deal if they wanted to move up ever so slightly. The Rockets, for example, seem like they would like to be good next year. Maybe that makes some sense, but they kind of fell out of that top-ish interesting tier. Maybe they, they, they probably don't want more young stuff, so they're a little harder of a match to find. And if you're one and two, like... Uh, San Antonio and Charlotte are, that is also a little bit tougher. So there's less options there, especially in a stack draft like this. In fact, don't even think about the Spurs. Don't comment on anything. Don't tweet at me and say, can the Pacers get one? No, they can't. That is not feasible for them. The the, the first pick is worth everything in the league. That's why the Spurs rep on stage went completely nuts when they won the lottery. But Maybe there's some interesting trade-up stuff that happened as a result of this lottery. I think Detroit and Portland are the two main ones to look at, although Houston does make a little bit of sense, especially if they really think they're getting James Harden and they would like to add some other interesting talent around him. Of course, they could want to move back, but that is unbound uh, by the lottery. Those teams are already behind them anyway. Those new options did not move up, but today's show summed up. The Pacers get seven, and they get 32, and that's fine. (laughs) The average outcomes say they did better than expected by doing that. Obviously, people would like to see their teams do better in the lottery if possible, and they didn't. And that's two years in a row where the Pacers didn't. They have not moved up since the 1980s still, but they've rarely been in the lottery. That's not that surprising. Hope the show was informative, interesting. It was really fun to be here, talk to Tyrese Halbert and talk to Kevin Pritchard and meet a lot of really cool people in the industry tomorrow. I'll be at the Draft Combine and Thursday, so I'll have some sort of buzzy buzz from that kind of stuff and more thoughts from the lottery and the draft in general coming as the show progresses through the week if you have any questions for me i'm on twitter at tony r east and this show is at luck on pacers thank you guys so much for listening hope you had a great day and are happy as you can be with the pacers lottery outcomes we will see you tomorrow